We tell you to get on Slack because this is where we engage as a community and as a conversation. This is how we actually engage in our, co- in, in our development and our understanding of God. So you can actually ask me questions and, and tell me a whole bunch of stuff and whatever, and I'm going to include it in the service today. So we are in the second part of a sermon series on leading spiritually. And we want people to understand that it's not the pastor who is up here being the only one who is a spiritual leader. That is my role. But it is also us. We listen to the Holy Spirit and obey what he asks us to do. That's what we do. That's, that's the formula for Christian life. We listen to the Holy Spirit, do what he asks us to do. And so we are all called to be, you know, spiritual uh, leaders. And so I want you to... to engage in that, and that's what we're doing. So let me go over what we did last week very, very quickly. We've got a graphic right here. I'm beside the TV because I'm going to be working with the TV all the way through. We, last week, we, we got Jesus is the center, the anchor of every Christian good news. He is at the center point, and, and the good news of Jesus is that it is God with us and making all things right. Jesus is God with us, making all things right personally in your life and cosmically in the whole world. This is good news, that Jesus is God with us, making all things right personally and cosmically. And we actually discovered this through our Easter service, through the cross, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, where we recognize Jesus as the central hope for humanity. Right, so that's where we are. But... I heard it said that if the Jesus of the Bible doesn't offend your theology, you're not reading the Bible enough. If the Jesus of the Bible doesn't offend your theology, you're not reading your Bible enough. And the reason that is is because we tend to pigeonhole our view of Jesus and we say, hey, this is what Jesus is, and therefore we miss a greater picture of what Jesus is, and we, and we live in one spot or another, and so what happens is it's not our understanding is wrong, it's that our understanding is too small. Have you ever had a time where God expanded your vision of him, where what you assumed of God was too small, and then God just went bigger with you? We just took the youth through a series called More, and they were, they were going through it, and they were like, oh, there's more to God than I understood. So today, we want to consider this text. Isaiah 53, 6. It says, We had all wandered away like sheep. We had each gone our own way, and yet the Lord put, on, put all our guilt on him. So like sheep in a pasture, last week we used the picture of a well. And we talked about how if you put a well in the middle of a field for pasture, then the animals will return to the center, and you don't need to use fences to block them in. You can use a well. Well, Isaiah 53, 6 says, we all wander away from that center point, from that well. We wander away all over the place. We all, like sheep, have have wandered away. Jesus, in in John 4.10 says, you don't know what God can give you. He's talking to the woman at the well, appropriately. And you don't know who I am. The one who asked you for a drink. If you knew, you would have asked me, the source, the well, and I would have given you living water. 
So there's a wide field that we're going to explore, and, and in that wide field, we stumble across, uh, upon the direction towards some errors. So Jesus offends our assumption about him. Jesus is going to offend your theology because we add things to our understanding of him. I, I remember being in Bible college and I was, I was sitting there in a class lecture and the, and the teacher, the professor is just going and going and going and going and going and all of a sudden I can feel the outrage coming from the students around me. Because what the professor was teaching was outside of their tradition. He was teaching something that sat in a different tradition of Christianity and all of the students around were just getting very frustrated because what the professor was teaching, in fact, those students went to, went to the, the academic dean and asked for the resignation of this professor because he was teaching heresy. Well, it wasn't heresy. It was good theology that came from a different tradition. They just didn't recognize it. And so Jesus offends our assumptions about him. Jesus is at the center point of all gospel messages. But here's what happens. Because we run away, we go astray, we actually start to put us at the center point. In today's message, we're actually going to explore how we see that and how God still uses it. So what happens when we take the gospel upon ourselves we start to move away from jesus so god's able to use it because he's moving all of us from where we are towards christ he's moving all of us doesn't matter where you are on this he's moving all of us towards christ so he's able to use it and all of us are constantly moving once we might find ourselves in 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 nearing errors or other ones we find ourselves you know oh wow i got it right now i got i got a good picture and then we don't. We, we lose it. Okay, so um, here we go. One person just asked, would, can you flow through the circle in order? Can you jump from one area to another across the circle? This is a really good question that someone asked. Uh, the reality is we wander. And God is using his tool of discipleship, trust, follow, question, mission, promise, trust, follow. And he is shaping us. So God is, is, is creating a, a motion but we tend to just wander all over the place. Okay, so here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go with this spiritual map. We're going to create the spiritual map for two reasons. One, we want to do it because we want to find somebody else's starting place, right? We want to know where somebody else, what their A is, where they are. Um, we all have a spiritual starting point, even if you don't go to church. And, uh, and here's how you find out what, what a person's spiritual starting point is. You listen. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you listen. They might never have walked inside a church door ever. They have a spiritual starting place. Listen. So we, the second reason we do it is we can learn grace. We understand that the piece of truth that I'm holding on to, the understanding of truth that I'm holding on to, might not be universal, absolute encompassing all other people's experiences of truth. Jesus does that, but not necessarily me. I might be somewhere over here thinking that someone over here is a complete crazy person. So it allows us grace because God is able to call people. 
All right. So let's build on last week's. Um, what we have here is, is if we wander up here, where we've gone, you know, Jesus was at the anchor, but, you know, it's really, the gospel's really about me personally and God with me. So I start to remove Jesus and I start to make it about me. It's, it's God with me and, and, and it's, it's all personal. We actually come up to this kind of gray area, kind of moving into danger, moving towards error, where we start to think, God's with me. I'm all good. I don't have to change. Nothing could go wrong with my life because God's with me and I can live in this moment of just like freedom and God's like with me and I get this sense of, wow, okay, God's with me. So there's a church that, that pushes this and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to archetype different churches, big churches, known churches, not to slam them, but just to show the type of tone that they take. So Joel Olstein's church actually lives way up here where it's like God's with you it's all going to be good for you. He's just going to bless you and everything is good and happy and whatever. It's lovely and everybody smiles. We just got this lovely smile because God's with me. Well, the, the, the problem is, is, the danger here is that we believe that God loves us so much, he wants to be with us so much that he disregards absolutely everything that's wrong with us. He disregards all of our errors, just like that. And so... That's a problem. Yes, God does love you. But when we remove the person of Jesus from it, we start to disregard passages like Hebrews 12 said that the Lord disciplines those he loves. Oh, well, yeah, God's with me and he's forgiven me. Great, but he's also going to discipline me. He's going to discipline me because he loves me. It makes us potentially blind to the Holy Spirit from refining us and enforces a type of Christian pursuit of pleasure and comfort. Have you ever found your Christianity pursuing pleasure or comfort? So how does God use it? God does want to be with us, and he gives us a great promise. But the leadership question here is, what does Jesus' acceptance of you change in your life? As spiritual leaders, we can ask people that question. Yeah, God loves you so much, I hear it, that's really exciting. What are the implications in your life? What's going to change? Why? Because he loves you so much, he disciplines those he loves. All right, so let's move on. See, it it really does, all of this side, when when we remove from Jesus, it all becomes about me. Puts me right at the center of the world. And that, when we we want to make all things right, oh, God's going to make all things right in me, but we start to remove God, we start to remove Jesus from the picture, we end up in a church that could be, uh, that could be understood partially through John MacArthur's church. I love John MacArthur. He's, a whole lot of what he's saying is good. His pursuit of holiness in the name of Jesus was just what I said this group needed. But when you make it about me, and we remove Jesus from the center, It makes me have to make myself good enough. How many times have people walked into church feeling like they have to make themselves good enough? How many times, you know? Where it's like, oh, I have to to measure up. I have to be good enough. And it's all about me, what I look like. The, The danger is that we become like Pharisees. Very, very good. Very zealous about the things of God but we take the responsibility upon ourselves to make it happen. 
We ignore the scripture that says, you who began in the spirit, now do you try to continue in the flesh? Someone says there's a line between the error of God is with me personally and God will never leave or forsake you, right? And so there's this idea that it's like, it's not just about, oh, God's just with me. It's about God's faithfulness. It's about keeping God at the center. He is faithful. And so here we're at this, this piece where it's like, yeah, the Holy Spirit's doing work in you. Yes, he's going to change you and make things right in you. But you can't make that happen. That's the work of the Holy Spirit to build the desires of God in you. You who began in the Spirit, do you now continue in the flesh? That's, if, that's Galatians. If you want to go through Galatians, I've got six months of Galatians on YouTube right now. You can watch it. So how does God use this? When we get caught up in trying to live right and be right and get, follow the rules right, how does God use it? Well, he transforms our personal life, and he is, he is in the business of making me right. So the question I need to ask a person who's making it all about, I have to look good, I have to perform, I have to make it work. The question that you ask that person is, how do you accept the love of Jesus? How do you accept the love of Jesus in your life? When I was caught in sin, literally caught in sin that I could not free myself from. I beat myself up for months over this sin that I was doing. I couldn't, be, I couldn't get free. I was in Bible college. It's awesome. I was a great Bible college student. Caught in this terrible sin, feeling the weight of I have to make myself right, forgetting that Jesus is at the center of the good news. And the question is, how do you accept the love of Jesus? Have you had that moment where it's like God loves you regardless? Where he just is going to pour out his love on you? Have you been able to accept that? Because all of a sudden that becomes humbling. Right. I can't just do it myself. And the Holy Spirit is able to make things right in you, not just because you did it, but because he became the center point, that well of living water, and he starts to make changes in you. So, but this is, this is all on the personal side, but what happens, there's a whole other side to looking at Christianity. When we get to, when we get to the, the cosmically God making all things right, well, there are whole groups of churches that want to cosmically make the world right. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we throw it back on Jesus somehow, but really, our entire mission is about alleviating poverty. Really, our entire mission is about, is about making everybody feel included. Really, well, the churches that do this are social justice churches or kingdom now churches. These churches believe that Jesus established the kingdom of God and, and then we put it on ourselves to be the vessel to sort out exactly what God is doing. So that means church is what I said it is. It is the right way. It is the place where we are doing everything right and everybody needs to do it like us. 
We need to get on a bandwagon, a social justice warrior bandwagon. We need to push towards social reforms and, and, and inclusion of, of, of the poor and the equalization of, of pay and all these things. And these are good things, but when removed from the core of Jesus, what we find is you got to do it my way. You have to comply. You've got to, this is the only way to think. You have to do it this way. It's for, the, it's for the greater good. It's for the greater good. You've got to comply. Well, how does God use something like that? I mean, first off, it ignores Jesus' statement that says the poor is always going to be with you. Oh, <laughs> wait a second. Right. Jesus offends that theology by saying, no, 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 the poor are going to be with you. It's about bringing people to me. So the danger here is we obsess with us living in this idealized world and we enforce what the standard is and we tell everybody else what the standard is. This is the way that you have to live if we're going to make the world right. Oh, well, there's lots of people who are here. There's tons of people in our culture who say this is the way you have to live if you're going to make the world right. Well, okay, so what do we do? How do we take that spiritual starting place? Because... God's going to do something with it. How does God use it? Well, God will make the whole world right in the person of Jesus. The question to ask the person is, what does Jesus think of all the individuals that he died to save from your judgment? What does Jesus think of all the individuals he died to save from your view of what the world should be and how wrong they are? Jesus cares for them and loves them, and he's calling out to them. So it pulls us around this cycle. You notice something here? I actually want to just highlight this for a second, because our world is full of polarities right now. It's being ripped apart socially outside of the church, inside of the church, all over the place. But watch this. Every single major narrative right now being touted about is some way a corruption of this right here. Watch this. It's all good. Total forgiveness. God just loves everybody. We're all going to be fine. It's all going to work out. Just, just come and, and we'll make this all right. And it's all going to be good. And we're going to talk about inclusion. And everything is all uh, tolerance. And it doesn't matter what you think or what you bring. We're all just going to be together. We're in this together. Can't we just get along? We're all in this together. Can't we get along? Total forgiveness. Then there's a whole other group of people in the world, not Christians, who were just like, no, 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 no. We need some serious law and order here. We need, this is compliance. This is the way it needs to be done. Black and white thinking. This is the way it's got to be sorted. Because why? Because we want to make all things right and we want us to be together. But we're pulling as a culture away from each other. Moving more extreme away from the well who is Christ Jesus. Do you see that? Do you see the way that that is where our culture is? And we all, like sheep, have gone astray, each of us to our own way. And so here, these social justice warrior type people, if they're involved in a church, they're in a social gospel church, but they might not even be involved in a church. It's our responsibility to make the whole world right. No, it's not. It's Jesus. So God uses it and says, what... What does Jesus think of all the individuals he died to save from your judgment? And then the last one is, 
God being with all of us cosmically or apart from Jesus. See, right up here, it leads to universalism. God's with all of us. He's going to love you and accept you no matter what, no matter what road you've taken to him, no matter what paths you've gone, no matter what you grew up in. It's about full tolerance. God is going to be with us all, and it all just leads to God. Rob Bell did a great series on this, right? I love Rob Bell. He's a great intelligent speaker, and he's articulate, but he built his theology around the absolute love winning. Oh, wait, that's what he named his book, Love Wins. And, and it was this, this idea that all roads eventually lead all the way to God, and you're going to be fine. Well, okay, that's nice. But it ignores Jesus in John 14, 6. Well, he says he doesn't ignore it, but practically it does. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. So how does God use that? See, God does love the whole world in the person of Jesus. God is going to be with us in the person of Jesus. So here's the problem with the universalist approach. The problem with this is actually quite simple. It is, if you don't want to be with God, but no matter what way you choose, you're going to be with God because he loves you, how does that work if you never wanted to be with God? How does God honor your decision to not want to be with him? If you're going to eventually get stuck with him anyways. That's the problem. Love needs to be willingly reciprocated. God does not force himself eternally on people. If you don't want to be with God, God will honor that and just be like, okay, I'm not going to force you into heaven because that's where I think you should be. He genuinely leaves it to us and says, you come to me. You come to me. It's your time. I'm not forcing myself on you. And so you can see that, that in all of these examples, if I remove Jesus, it's God's with me personally, I never have to change. Or if I remove Jesus, it's, oh my gosh, I'm so screwed up, I have to fix myself before I can even approach God. Or if you remove Jesus over here, it's, oh my gosh, the world is so screwed up, I have to fix it. Or if you remove Jesus over here, it's like, oh, God's just going to be with all of us forever. And it's all going to be fine. All of us find ourselves somewhere on this map. All of us have gone astray somewhere on this map. I remember a time in my, in my ministry career where I was leaning way up here, trying to avoid all of this you know, rule-oriented world and just being like, no, 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 it doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want and God's just going to lead you to him anyways. It's all good. And now God draws me back to Jesus and goes, it's right here. It's right here. It's about me and my work. See, God's at work all throughout our wanderings. He's at work calling people towards himself, shaping us into the image 
of Jesus. And so, someone asked a question that's really good. What corner of the square does promise tend to lean towards right now? Are we aware enough to know? And how can we gain, um, how can we gain the self-awareness if not? Okay, I'm going to deal with your questions in reverse order. Thank you so much. These are wonderful questions. We gain awareness by practicing spiritual practices together. God, show us who we are. God, teach us and lead us. Holy Spirit, we want to follow you. That's what we talked about right at the beginning of the service. Holy Spirit, we want to follow you. Where are we right now? Well, you know, of course, we're right here. Of course, right? Uh-huh. That's where I... No. No, honestly, when I started the church, I was pushing somewhere over here. We as the church need to represent God's kingdom in the world, and we're going to use promise grants and go make all that happen. As we've gone through the pandemic, I've actually started to notice that, that there's a piece here where it's like, God wants to be working in you, making things right in you. The fear sermon was about God is right here working in your life, and it sets us right here. So we're somewhere along this side of God making things right in us and through us. And there will be a season where we will be up here, where it's going to be about God just forgives you, and he loves you, and he's going to pour out. But we're going to be led by the Spirit as we move around this. None of us are stagnant. None of us are stagnant. You don't sit here and be like, I'm going to live my whole life. Whoa, I just broke the TV. No, I'm kidding. I'm going to live my whole life right here. No. You're going to journey through your theology. Your theology, your understanding of God. We're going to learn this at the retreat if you go to one of the classes on theology. Um, Your theology is in flux. It's changing. God's not changing. Your understanding of him is changing. And we do need to be aware. You become aware inside of your community. So I'm going to to close off. Um, We as spiritual leaders are involved in people's lives because we're not ignorant of the enemy's schemes to have us removed Jesus from the center. And so Jesus promised to live with us and make all things right personally and cosmically. That's God's offer. So when we see someone trending too far towards one quadrant, or maybe the churches, we stay in conversation. We push, and we trust that God is still at work in us, and he hasn't abandoned us. He doesn't give up. He always works in us. And so we need to allow God the space to work. Let me pray. We've got lunches to go to and mothers to celebrate. God, thank you so much for this. Thank you for your, for your leadership And Jesus, we just pray that we would be people who focus on you and put you at the center of all of our lives and our understanding. And as a body, as an entity, as an organization, that we would do the same thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much for being a part of Promise Church. God bless you, and have yourself a great week.